from our soundstage and auditory office to your hearts and ears across the globe. The following has been crafted with care for your enjoyment. As you settle in for today's conversation, be sure you're ready to be present and be presented with something simply extraordinary. My next guest, one of my most precious guests, by the way, is Mumbi Tendiabwa Otu, an artist whose story is being written anew with each magnificent moment and each marvelous accomplishment. She's a Kenyan-Ugandan artist, though for selfish reasons, she'll stand in on our episode featuring Kenya. Um, She's an artist, as I mentioned, but more precisely is a director, one who's breathed life and love into some remarkable acts on our stages across Canada. A couple of accomplishments that I'll list. She's a Dora Award winner for Outstanding Production of the Brothers Size. She's a recipient of Toronto Theatre's Critics Award. She's a Pauline McGibbon Award winner and a John Hirsch Directing Award winner as well. And that's just to name a few. She brought her prolific talents to Soul Pepper Theatre, Obsidian Theatre Mentorship Program, and the National Arts Centre. Now, before I proceed, it's worth noting that I first met Mumbi at a somewhat difficult time. You see, she was directing a play called Is God Is that had its uh, first blackout night on February 17th, 2023. For one remarkable performance, Is God Is was played primarily to a black identifying audience. While the event, the play, the night, and the impact were tremendous and in some ways immeasurable, so too was the outcry from a few loud and lashing voices. Those voices did not see fit that a blackout night, a night dedicated to black audiences, black identifying audiences to be clear, um, ever take place in any theater. Now, the truth is that uh, that backlash colored a beautiful event and is truly kindling for a complete other show on a complete other day. For now, I want to rest with Mumbi. Her impact, her profound poise during the havoc, and how she demonstrated true leadership qualities that were beyond recognition. Steely composure that reveals a depth of character worth knowing. She directs, listens, learns, and teaches. And today, she speaks. You're in for a profound treat. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. My name is Kondwani Mwase, Ethiopian-born, Canadian-raised, and proudly Malawian. As you'll soon hear, I'm a Pan-Africanist who's committed and consumed with narratives that frame the continent and our human relationships at large. This show, quite simply, is diaspora in dialogue. And while the focus, the lens, the thrust, and the jumping-off point is African diaspora, there is no doubt that this is a show for all. I aim to unearth the ties that bind through individual and somewhat undertold stories. As I mentioned before, today, you are in for a profound treat.
I'm so happy to be on the phone with you. I've been waiting for this for a while. I've been hearing so much about you. Um, I've had the, the, the privilege, I would say, to attend a couple of the shows that you have been the director for, uh, namely Is God Is, which had its first blackout night, uh, which was also the first blackout night at the, at the National Arts Centre in Ottawa. And then uh, I went to go and see um, a performance at Soul Pepper just a couple of weeks ago. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to maybe start off with with who you are as a person. For the audience listening, some of them are art lovers. Some of them will know you from uh, from your your uh, direct directorships and, and and all of the work that you've done. But a lot of people don't know you. So, creator, director, theatrical enthusiast. What, what would you position yourself as? Uh, yes. So I am a Kenyan, Ugandan, Canadian. Uh, creator and director, theater director, uh, artist, multidisciplinary artist, as well as a theater director and creator. Why, Mumbi, did you choose a career or a path, a passion within the arts? Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe secondary to that is, is, is theater seems to be one of the spaces which you thrive in. And, and maybe you can guide us a little bit of what, is, what has driven right. you towards that path. Uh, well, I'm a middle child, a middle of two sisters, and I spent a lot of time in Kenya daydreaming as a middle child. Being <laughs> My sisters are not that far apart from me. You know, middle child issues, I guess, kind of made me create a fantasy reality. <laughs> so that's how my imagination was first born. And uh, my dad is an, uh, an English uh, lit professor, so we grew up uh, just you know, not being allowed to watch a lot of TV and reading a lot of books. And so my imagination was fueled from a very early age um, and was, you know, grew up uh, in Kenya doing like poetry competitions. I used to have all this kind of like, you know, and I, I seemed to gravitate towards those kinds of things, you know, putting on plays for my sisters and my church and my school. And so I just kind of started creating at a very early age in my childhood and and continued to to explore that from mm-hmm. very young all the way throughout high school. And then and then, of course, uh, when it came to university, felt more persuaded to follow the more practical route at the time, which felt like, you know, I, I did a degree in human biology first. Mm-hmm. Before, was this in Victoria or was this in, in This was in Toronto. This in was like Toronto. In, okay, I'm sorry. So I, I grew up in Victoria. And then when I, I moved to Toronto for school, I had to study uh, at U of T. And I studied human biology it was my first degree and was doing theater extracurricularly even then. And by the time I was in my third year, when I did my, my directed my, my first production ever at U of T, which was a, a play called for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow mm-hmm. is enough by Entozaki Shange. And, um, and I can I did that uh, in my third year uh, because I was, I'd been auditioning a lot and wasn't finding a lot of roles for people who looked like me, mm. and so I that's what kind of made me interested in directing. And so I put on a show, going to feature seven women of color, and so I was drawn to that that it was going to be all black women on stage, and and, and it was going to be a multidisciplinary piece of poetry, movement, dance. 
um, music. I got drawn to that as well. Wow. And uh, yeah, so ended up doing this as my very first thing. And after I did that, I kind of knew this is what I wanted to do. And so I, I just kind of quietly finished my degree and then like shifted gears <laughs> towards, uh, towards uh, the arts after that. <laughs> uh, I love that quietly. Yeah. Degree. yeah like I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm like, I always ask people, especially in the arts or in sort of like, maybe I would say non-traditional for home, although this is becoming for home. I'm, I'm talking about the, the continent, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm finding that a lot more people, there's so much creativity coming out of Africa mm-hmm. uh, as a whole, but there are so many different creators that are just finding their feet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious about you, you know, you know, kind of quietly finishing your, your degree. And then mm-hmm. when did you realize this is something that from a, a career perspective or mm-hmm. a, even a sustainability perspective, because mm-hmm. you, you know, you have, you have, you got to eat. Yeah. W- when did you say, no, I, I can do this and I can I can succeed as a professional mm-hmm. uh, and make a living out of this and thrive. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a journey. It was quite a journey, I would say, after I finished my degree, uh, because, I mean, I had been genuinely interested in in issues of uh, public health and I had been that if I, I was going to go that route in terms of public health and international development and that kind of route. And so I did. I took an internship uh, and I went back. To, I went to Uganda, my, where my dad is from. And I I was uh, it was a perfect internship for me because it was about using theater as a way to uh, um, educate public health issues in Uganda and traveling around the country, creating plays and, and doing, um, uh, but in, in like public health settings. And so I did that for a year and, and then I kind of decided at the end of that, that I didn't want to be the theater person being brought in to these public health settings to create work, but I wanted to be actually on the flip side of it, working, really working on theater. So I kind of made a commitment there where it was like I could have gone more deeper into that realm. And then I, I, and so it was gradual. And when I came back, I got, I, I, I applied, I, back in Vancouver, I looked for, I got a job as an as an executive assistant and a producer for a theater company. So that allowed me to kind of like understand how things work or you kind of get a sense of how, you know, how the industry works, yeah. what it's like to work for for a theater company and I wasn't I wasn't directing at the time and I was kind of like just being like what well, but it gave me a lot of insight just in in terms of um and also because it was a company that was really still working on community issues as mm-hmm. well as, as, as theater. So it was kind of, again, like a bridge, a good bridge for me. And and then after that, I, I was like, okay, then I really now not, don't want to do the, just the producing end of things. I really want to focus on the uh, artistic end of it, of mm-hmm. things and um, decided to come back, go back to school and, and come back. And then I moved back to Toronto to do, to went back to theater school. And uh, uh, and and th- felt at that time that 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 would help me, kind of, do it in a more, uh, get the credentials that I needed to kind of make a career out of it. It was been gradual, and I and I, and I and then through that I was doing a lot of uh, assisting and apprenticing within the industry while I was studying, and just 
constantly complimenting it for a long time with a lot after I finished school with a lot of you know uh, catering whatever side gigs I would do you know yeah, survival survival yeah. Life, yeah, survival life to make it while you make it yeah I I complimented it for a long time with a lot of different gigs and 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 that 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 so it was always and I was always looking back at my you know my my uh, human biology degree being like you know yeah maybe 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 I don't look back even now no well listen I don't know know that there's there's ever a time I don't go "Hmm, maybe (laughs) well listen to the droves of people who have enjoyed your work and benefited from from just your being in your orbit of which I am I am one. Uh, on the long list. I'm so glad that you didn't turn back and you didn't shift. You didn't open up that can of worms again. Leave leave that aside. You, you walked away from that. Maybe in your retirement. You yeah. Can, maybe yeah. that can become your side hustle afterwards. Yes. Yes. I, I'm glad I have it though that I can always be like, this exists. So that, that makes makes me feel better somehow. Reinvent yourself later. We got too yes. much. We got too much to enjoy. We got too much to enjoy. Yeah. Um, Listen, I, I talked about Is God Is, which was an amazing play that that you you directed that was here mm-hmm. in um, in Ottawa and has been in a, in a couple of different places, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the latest one that I saw was uh, Sibwe is Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Sibwe is Dead. Sibwe Banzi is Dead. Sibwe Banzi is Dead. Sorry, Sibwe Banzi is Dead. Excuse me, um, folks. Mm-hmm. I'll, Maybe I'll edit that out. Maybe I won't. I'm, yeah. I'm human and full. Yeah, all good. All I'm good. Full of errors. Yes. Um, but I just wanted to to know um, for yourself, like you've lived in Kenya, uh, lived in you know you obviously have roots there, um, mm. and then Uganda. You went back there, Toria, Toronto. Mm. Um, you've got a sort of like a, you've got a well rounded. Um, lens and approach to your work, but your work seems to also be grounded in in black stories or stories mm-hmm. for people of color. How has your your past, I guess, and your journey thus far in the different places specifically that you've lived in, how has that informed your work? Oh yes, a hundred percent. I uh, I think that when my African identity met my black identity, I would say when my family immigrated here. <laughs> As a teenager, I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> this is this is uh, <laughs> when the meeting happens." So I love that when your black identity <laughs> met your African identity. Yeah, so I feel like those two things always being in conversation with each other, and and you know, being a woman and 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 now being a mom, uh, I feel like I, I always approach things from there's always something personal about about the piece that's drawing me drawing me and then something about the a bigger conversation that the piece wants to have mm. that I feel is also drawing me. So I, I, I definitely bring, bring who I am into everything that I do and everything that I'm, that I say yes to in terms of like artistic exploration and investigation. And I think that I'm always, I'm always asking questions about, you know, who I am and where and, and where I am and, and, and at any given time and what that means at any given time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that those questions are what keep, keeps me kind of uh, 
or sometimes a piece will ask a question. I'll be like, wow, this question is a question that I actually also have. Mm-hmm. So, so there's always a conversation between, you know, self and community and culture and community. And, and, uh, and um, yeah, it's kind of all, all part of, part of what I do for sure. How do you go about making sure that you are creating in a space that is, is, is safe and authentic? The reason I'm asking that is that some of the, the territories which you explore in in the works that you've you've uh, led um, are you know topics of violence within you know black communities is topics of of you know of apartheid and 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 of of, of a lot of tension of identity mm-hmm. um, and so how do you like how do you make sure that the story remains authentic mm-hmm. and uh, and yet is 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 profound and mm-hmm. and deep and meaningful uh, yet true like to, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making yeah sense of that question yeah I I think that I think for me the biggest thing is about the gathering of the collaborators to tell that story so uh, bringing people together who who really want to tell that story or who have a connection to that story or who have a way into that story. And so we all are coming into it with a common goal. Mm. There's something about this. And then, and we spend, we spend quite a lot of time just talking about what's about the work and before we even start finding how it lives on, on stage, but just talking about the work and, and our connections to win, how the work is resonating. And so we build trust with each other as to around the work, just the, the the text itself before we even start moving. And then I also like to bring in a lot of rituals into rehearsal space. Like for example, like, you know, in Sizzle, we play volleyball every day. It was like mm. our way of checking in, you know, just every, every, it was it's a ball game, like a casual, yeah. you know, fun ball game every day. We'd do a check-in and, and would check out every day. And that was just a way of kind of, coming together in a, an activity where where it's just fun it's just fun and it's just you know a way of connecting and so I like they have a lot of those kinds of rituals that I, I bring into a space uh, with is God is we played a lot of games just like you know we'd have dance dance offs and dance parties and we'd have just a lot of games just to build trust within yeah. our and just as humans in the process and as artists in the process and bring our humanity and feel like it's okay to be you know to be who you are and to be where you're at every day because each day we're coming in you're you're kind of at a different, different place. place just a way to kind of gather all of that and make space for all of that and 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 then with that there's also a trust that everyone everyone has the same goal they want to tell the story um the best or in the best way that we all can but doing those kind of human activities and just kind of fun games and just kind of keeps it keeps the play and keeps the humanity uh at the at the center of of the of the of the work that we're doing it really does translate. You know, I've had I've had the privilege again of speaking with a couple of the actors who've worked on those pieces in particular, and they they just um, they're they're amazingly talented people. But you can tell that there's a camaraderie, there's a genuine attachment not only to the work but to the other people around them that are that have made that work come to life. I'm just going to ask a couple, uh, just one or two questions about the audience and how you connect to the audience in the ways that you also are connecting to um, mm-hmm. to the to, to the the artists in the in in plays. Let's say, mm-hmm. 
um, in uh, Sizwe Banzi is Dead, there was a there's a component in there, and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler, but not really. But I'll I'll just take this kernel, if I may, um, where you talk about uh, Doom, the 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 the, the, um, the bug killer, if you will, and for some of the audience, uh, the 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 uh, association with Doom didn't quite land for a few minutes because mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily understand that Doom was equivalent to Raid here, like the, mm-hmm. the again the the bug killer. And I just found it just fascinating. And obviously, everybody caught up; like they mm-hmm. got it. Like it wasn't it wasn't that long, but you could tell there was spatters in the crowd. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's some Africans here because they know that Doom mm-hmm. is, is is Doom. Mm-hmm. As as an artist, how do you make a choice that says? I'm in a North American society. The, the the product, if you will, that I'm referencing here is actually Raid. Mm-hmm. Here they call it Raid, but there they call it Doom. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think for a second, let me swap uh, and mm-hmm. call it Raid? You know, as just as just as a as a matter of practice, or were you always sort of grounded in this has to be authentic? The audience will catch up. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the script. Um... Usually you can't even you can't even change anything. You would, so you wouldn't even go back you, to that. You wouldn't. Yeah, that that's like legally when you get the rights to do a script. You know, you're telling the story as is. As is. Okay. As is. But in terms of helping the audience, yeah, there's a, there's a sense of like also just trusting that trusting the audience and trusting that they, you know, folks will will do the research if they want to do the research. But like in a piece like Sizwe. Yeah, the the way it's written and structured, everyone has a chance to catch up or understand the significance of something. Like there was even something else, like the Siskin independence. You know, for you know, for first time you hear that, I was like, I don't know what that is. You know, maybe by the end, of, but you know, hopefully you'll go home and Google what that is. Yeah. But you understand the impact of what that is for the characters over the course of you know the play. So I think it's just really there's an element of trusting the audience. And, and and also knowing, and I feel like there's something there's something that where where because audiences oh we haven't their audiences are not used to the complexity of all the black stories out there you know they might be maybe may more used to certain kinds of black stories and so I I think part of my part of the thing that drives me is to continue to tell to try and tell show how diverse and how 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 many how many, many stories there really are. And so that people never settle for one single kind of Black story or Black history. If you didn't know anything about apartheid, I hope that people, this is just kind of like a little conversation starter or something that will make you kind of want to learn more, you know, more about that. And uh, and yeah, so I think that that's, so there's, 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 and it's even with like, is God is, it's like, it's such a, you know, revenge fantasy in some ways. And it's like, that's not the only black story there is. So it's just like helping people to continuously, to continuously understand that, that, yeah, it's like that there's a, you know, I don't know that, you know, that Chimamanda Ngozi quote of, but the danger of a single story, you know, Mm. and and it's, and it really is, 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 is just that, especially for North American audiences relating to blackness. And, and in this way, it's just like, yeah, this is not a story, you know, about African poverty and anguish. It's, you know, you're, you're connecting with these two characters on stage as human beings, their relationship to each other and their relationship to this bigger system uh so you kind of get to meet the humans 
and and invest if they're invested in doom you invest in doom you know yeah, for so sure. just kind of like really trying to always center the humanity of uh and 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 then some of the the history that might be unfamiliar because you know no one was explaining to me all the when i was when i was growing up and there was i don't know what's the grassy high you know, growing mm. up in Kenya, watching that show. <laughs> when I moved to Canada, I was like, "Is this gonna be like Degrassi High?" You know, like there's there's a lot of stuff that we are fed on the on the flip side, and nobody explains it to us. You know, I've I've been confronted with this question of excellence mm-hmm. from a few different places mm-hmm. uh, lately. So, what does mm-hmm. what does excellence actually mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, is it even a term that you that you you want to associate with, because I've heard a lot of people validly say, I'm not looking for excellence. I'm looking for realness. I'm looking for different things. So I I guess what, what is that when, when you hear that, Mm -hmm. do you have an association with excellence Mm -hmm. um, or do you, do you think in different terms? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think, I think more, uh, a lot more about authenticity maybe. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, because I feel like it's something you have to fight for all the time uh, in the dominant culture in terms of like how to remain authentic, how to how to uh, listen to your intuition, how to fight for your own I- voice and identity. Uh, so I think about that, but I I think about that, but I also, I mean, I try and bring my the best version of myself to the work that I do in terms of work ethic, I guess, in terms of work ethic. But, um, but I don't know, I feel like I, I, the more I do this, the more, the more for me, excellence is not necessarily like, even though, like, with, even with the team I was working, it's like, okay, you know what, we, we have to take a day off here. Like there's things like that. There's rest in excellence. There's like yeah. mindfulness. There's, you know, so it's not, it's, it's, I, I think maybe when I was younger, excellence meant like slave driving or whatever as a leader. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, or like, I just have to like, you know, but now it's like really about like excellence. For me, the more I can be actively listening to what's happening around me and actively actually present and engaged with the collaborators that I'm with. The, the that's why I feel excellence. That's what I kind of tend to kind of be really trying. That's what I'm working more and more towards. It's like, am I actively listening to what's going on in the room, to what everyone is actually bringing to the table, to who this, who people are, to because you're surrounded with, you know, we're surrounded with so much. We're given everything we need every single day, it's just whether or not we are actually paying attention to that. So I feel like. I'm really trying to, to just kind of authenticity and active listening. Uh, I don't know if that's a word actively, if that's the right word for this, but like yeah. actively listening, actively engaging um, and actively asking questions and actively preparing and being present. Those are more terms that I'm resonating with. Um, folks who are listening should know that they can look out for your work. They can follow you online. They can find you online. Uh, currently at uh, artistic director at Obsidian Theatre in Toronto, and just just continuing to change the world for audiences and artists alike. Uh, Mumbi, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I do have one question to take you out on, which is um, I'm asking a lot of my guests is to 
where should we go next in this journey through this march of the map through the African continent? Where would you like us to uh, mm. go to for the next show? Um, oh, everywhere. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I've always, I've always dreamt of going to Senegal. I have never oh. been to Senegal. Senegal, Mali, those are, I haven't touched those places in the continent. So I really want to hear from artists working in non-English speaking countries uh, on the continent. We have less access to those artists. Yeah. Fantastic. So thank you so much for that, Mumbi. I will, um, up next, by order of of (laughs) Mumbi, we will be going to either Senegal or Mali. So I'll I'll leave that as a little bit of a teaser. (laughs) Not sure which one, but you forced us into that. Mumbi, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate your work. Appreciate you. And trust me, there's more questions that are listed on my book here. Didn't get to it, but we will respect your time. And uh, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. The conversation continues. Part of our show was recorded and produced at the soundstage and auditory office of 54 Lights. And while our stage is small, our lights together shine brightly. This season, more than most, has been produced in partnership with some incredible people. Ones I'll avoid rattling off anonymously, but will find time to thank personally. Before I go, a special shout out to my amazing guest, Mumbi. Thank you for being so gracious and so giving of your time, your energy, and of course, your sage thoughts. And of course, my enormous gratitude goes to you, the listener, for lending us your ears. My name is Kondwani Mwase. Here's hoping you find yourself in every play. It's been fierce. Until we speak again. Thank you for listening.